Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal here at Res Talk to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights about the broad array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. So whether you're a housing consumer, rater, builder, realtor, or appraiser, you want to hear more about the evolving trends in home energy ratings. To the ResNet community, we hear you and wish to engage. I'm your host, Bill Spohn. The percentage of women in the construction industry grew from 9.9% in 2018 to 10.9% in 2020, marking a recent steady increase in women's employment. Women now take on more roles in the industry that range from work in the trades to project management. What's it like being a woman working in hers? What inspires women to take this career path? In today's podcast, we hear from Elizabeth Sanfilippo and Beth Ainsworth about their career journeys leading to the roles in the hers world. They share their stories, both coming from aspects in the fields of art and design. We learn of some of the challenges, large and small, as well as how they manage self-doubt and bias. Elizabeth's background is in studio art. She homed in on her passion for residential energy efficiency and home performance and became a HERS Raider in 2016. She now works as a senior engineering associate for Brain Consulting, where she focuses on the 45L tax credit. Beth attended Appalachian State University, where she obtained a master's in building science. After being immersed in sustainable environment of Boone, North Carolina for 10 years, she decided to follow her passion and pursue a career in green building design. Upon graduation, she immediately received her HERS Raider certification, and she's been conducting home energy ratings and modeling for almost 15 years. We wrap up the conversation by sharing thoughts on how the concept of women in trades needs to be made more normal in society's thinking. You can gain perspective on the topic by listening to the Res Talk episode 85, The House That She Built. So let's listen into the conversation we had with Elizabeth and Beth. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So I'll just go on my screen here where we have a little video thing going to where we're podcasting. Elizabeth is on my left. And why don't you introduce yourself, Elizabeth? My name is Elizabeth Sanfilippo. A lot of colleagues and friends call me Biz, so y'all can call me Biz. I am in Birmingham, Alabama, and I've been in the HERS freighting and energy efficiency industry for about eight years now. Very good. And you were also a guest on the podcast before when you were one of the Emerging Leadership Council fellows. Is that correct? I was. I was. So if anyone wants to see the transition, for biz, <laughs> maybe in her speaking style or just her background and just learn a little bit more about that. You can jump back to that episode. I'll put it in the show notes for sure. So Beth, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Great. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Beth and I live in the Charlotte metro area in North Carolina. And I have been in this industry for almost 15 years now. So I'm a lifer. A lifer. That's what, how it qualifies. So what brought you into, and I'll stay with Beth here, what brought you into the HERS industry? Is it something in your training, your background? What motivated you to come into this industry and become a near-lifer? So I went to Appalachian State University, and I got my bachelor's degree, which was actually in interior design. And then I went back 
to school for a master's in with a concentration in building science. So it's technically industrial technology with a concentration in building science. And Boone, North Carolina, is a very sustainable and an energy forward community. So just being immersed in that, I just found my way into this industry. And I actually worked a little bit after I graduated in the Energy Center. And I worked alongside of Laurel Elam with ResDet. So what is the Energy Center? It was in the construction lab at Appalachian State. And then they just focused on all things energy. She used to host the Energy Star Conference. Now she's transitioned over to ResNet, and now she has the big conference. I remember that just amazing energy from Laurel and the way she can execute these things. You got it. So we'll go back over to Biz. Tell us a little bit more, a little deeper in your background on how you got into the energy industry. Yeah, it was kind of a roundabout journey. I went to school at Middlebury in Vermont and didn't really know what I wanted to do and majored in studio art, fine arts. So I focused in fiber arts and watercolor. Got out of college, moved to New York City, worked for some architects, and was always very interested in energy efficiency, green building. And there didn't seem to be a whole lot of it going on, at least with the firms that I was working with. So then I moved back to Birmingham, worked a couple of random jobs and went back to school to get my master's in environmental management with a focus in energy management. And as I was wrapping that up, really honed in on my interest on residential energy efficiency and looked on the internet, found this company that was a startup at a small business incubator here in Birmingham called Eco3, reached out to the owner, said, hey, do you guys ever hire interns? We met, had great professional chemistry, started as part-time, doing some marketing kind of things for them, learning what they did, which was mostly retrofits on existing homes, and then got trained in that through BPI, became an infiltration and duct leakage professional, and then got an opportunity kind of randomly through an insulation company that we had a relationship with. They said, do you want to go to Ohio and do this training? It's called HERS Raider. And I said, that sounds cool. Looked into it. And sure enough, it was right up my alley. And so I went there and did my training. And soon after was asked by the local utility here, Alabama Power, to do HERS ratings on a community where they were doing solar, a community-tied solar as sort of an R&D project, and they wanted to do HERS ratings on all 62 homes. So that was my big jump into actual rating. I've noticed similarity in your backgrounds in interior design and arts and this interest in arts. Is that still a part of your mode of thinking and your way of doing work and the way you approach things? This, can you come up with some reflection on that? That's a very interesting question. I think that today, my interest in textiles really comes into play in terms of insulation materials, wall assemblies. I like drawing and painting wall assemblies. And also the colors in thermal imaging is really beautiful to me. Good one. 
I think that's very true. There is an artistic element to this. There's a friend of mine that's created a card game called The Perfect Wall, where you actually build, Joe Medash created this at Building Science Summer Camp one year, where you actually build the perfect wall with cards. And the better wall, you have to defend each of your layers and the wall assembly from the hand that you're dealt. And there's a certain art to that. Yeah. In the thermal imaging, while that is really quite interesting, painting the colors to give you visual representation of a thermal or a physical phenomenon. That's a very interesting observation. Let's turn a little bit to what challenges and opportunities you might have faced as a woman and with is primarily a male-dominated industry. Either one of you can speak up first. I've been doing this for 15 years now, and even in college, because of the type of degree I was getting, I was in class, I was one of the only few females in most of the construction-oriented classes. And then, obviously, when I graduated and got going in the field, because I immediately transitioned into this role, I was working predominantly with men. For a very long time, and I mean for a very long time, I never identified any kind of gender discrimination. I never felt it. I always got some lashback, like I was too strict or I wanted too much from the builder. And I just thought it was because I was so good at my job. They didn't want to do all this extra stuff and it bothered them. I just thought it was me doing my job and they didn't like that. But as time progressed, I started to identify that my fellow men teammates, they didn't necessarily have these same struggles. No one ever came to me and said, I wish you wouldn't send so-and-so back to my job site. That was a man. And then as I continued doing inspections, I ended up getting my NGBS verifier certification, started working on some multifamily projects, and there's a lot of personality struggle and stuff with that. But the more I started doing those, I got a feel for that. I would do an inspection. They'd get all ruffled at what I wanted them to do. I want your insulation to be, at the time, you could still do grade two, and I'm just asking for grade two. And they would have a problem with it. I would ask a fellow member of my team, Mel, to go back the next day and do the next inspection. And he gets out there. And I'd been doing inspections for about a week at that point out at this project and having to reinspect every day. And so at this point, when I sent my team member back, the project manager out there was like, This looks exactly like it's been looking. I don't know what our problem is. And he sent me a picture of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that looks fantastic. Where's that been? And he had told him that it had been looking like that the whole time. And it was very untrue. And I kept going and doing inspections out there. And then one day I was out there and I saw him when I pulled up to the construction trailer. And he said, Beth, how old are you? And I was like, oh gosh. I was At the time I was 38. I was like, I'm 38. And he was like, seriously, how old are you? I was like, I'm 38. And he just laughed and he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, let me guess. You thought I was a young girl on a power trip. And he just laughed and he said, you're exactly right. And from then forward, I was like, well, I see where all of this has been coming from for all these years. (laughs) All the pushback, everything else. That's what I could relate it to at that point. But for years, I never saw it. I refused to see it, I guess. I just didn't think anything of it. And I didn't really let it bother me. But that one day when he said that, I just walked away shaking my head. I didn't even know what to say at that point. (laughs) Yeah. You were blind to the bias while it was going on. 
completely. Now that you recognize that, do you handle anything differently? Not really. I mean, I've always been true to myself and true to my work, and I always strive to do the best I can. And if someone doesn't want to go along with it, then that's on them. You have to do what you have to do to meet the program requirements. So it is what it is. Maybe even in subtle ways, like talking about something you did back in 2015, just to pre-validate the need that you've been around. You've been doing this for a while. I do find myself validating myself. I am always saying... Pre-validating, yeah. I've been doing this 15 years or 14 years or whatever it's been. I've got the credentials. If you think someone else is going to give you more leeway, then have at it, but they're not. So you're a QAD? I am. For your firm? Mm-hmm. And tell us a little bit more about what you do for fun. I noted in the notes you sent me here, you're a do-it-yourselfer. What does that mean? Well, I guess, you know, I have a construction background and I grew up in a single parent household, just my mother and my brother. And so I've always had this do-it-for-myself type attitude, anything I can do it for myself. So after I got my construction degree around the house, there is no project that I cannot do. And I can promise you there is a YouTube video for it somewhere. So I do everything if I need to do trim, anything like that. Last week I was up on the roof cleaning out the gutters. And then the next day I was washing the gutters down up on a ladder. I am a very firm believer. And if I can do it myself, I will do it myself. I have six kids and my son said something about, I need to do X, Y, Z. Can you help me? And I'm like, or do I have to call somebody? And like, well, I said, if a human can do it, you can do it. Exactly. So you can learn how to do it, put it that way. And like you said, YouTube's a great asset in that sense. You can fix anything with YouTube. I've literally fixed, like I installed a vacuum pump in my car shop, one of 1500 for it. And I was like, Mm-mm. found a video and I did it myself. <laughs> nice. Let me give Biz a chance to respond to the question, what challenges and opportunities have you faced becoming a woman in a primarily male-dominated industry? It's interesting. I can't say that I've had a lot of experiences where I felt pushback specifically because I was a woman, but perhaps I was trying not to see it. And in preparing for this podcast, I've been talking to a lot of colleagues, men and women, And it's been interesting to ask them about their experiences. And what I've come to the conclusion of is, and a colleague said this, and I thought she really nailed it, we start to see what we're looking for. I was never really looking for that bias against women. And maybe I've been lucky. I've definitely had pushback, but I've also had a lot of buy-in from both men and women in duct testing and insulation, blower door testing. I think I may have been my biggest challenge because of my inherent self-doubt. And when someone will say, I don't think that band joist is where the air is coming in. And I'm going, well, I know that's a major point of leakage and that one's not sealed. Am I missing something? And so then trying to get past that and stand firm and tell that builder who happened to be male, this is why you're not passing the blower door test. And take it or leave it. This is a place where air is leaking. I heard that and what Beth said just a few minutes ago is standing firm, relying upon your observations, your training, you have to manage that self-doubt. And I think everyone has a little bit of that. 
some people a lot less. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing too that I've in my notes just being open to learning and knowing that we're all on the same path. We want to build better homes, more efficient homes. I'm not trying to discount your knowledge. You shouldn't be trying to discount mine. Let's learn from each other. And it's okay to admit that we don't know it all. No one can know every aspect perfectly. And so be open to that. And because you're admitting that you may not be an expert in this aspect of it, that doesn't make you less of a builder or a building scientist. In a lot of ways, to me, that makes you a better one because you're open to continuing and growing your field of knowledge. I think you've all probably seen that simple business construct of the triangle of fast, good, and cheap that you can pick two. <laughs> <laughs> and what you're trying to do is make good. So fast and cheap have to give a little bit when you do that and schedule perhaps the client or whatever profitability are things that are moving, pulling in the fast and cheap direction. So you, you need to pull back with the good to get to the center of that triangle, perhaps, or somewhere near the center and not lose the good aspect. Because energy efficiency isn't like a tangible item, it's one of those things that does fall to the wayside. Yeah, because it, it isn't like counting two by fours or dimensions, things like that. It's got to be measured perhaps indirectly, actually, when you get down to it. And you have to rely upon that. And the person presenting that perhaps has to be trusted, to be a trusted voice and validate themselves. That's an interesting point, too, about the lack of visibility for a lot of what we do. Because so many home builders, home buyers, real estate agents, they want to show you the outside and how beautiful it is. Look at these fantastic countertops and cool lighting fixtures. And we're going, but this is so cool. It's got an ACH 50 of less than three. Yeah. Things that really float and your they're boat. they're looking at you going, what? Or let me tell you about this wall assembly that we got the builder to get on board with. And they're going, that doesn't really blow my hair back. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing blows my hair back. People, people know me. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, Bill, I listened recently to the podcast that you did with the women from the house that she built. Yeah. Which was awesome and such a cool project. I was so floored when they originally came up with the idea and some people said, you can't do that. And they said, watch us. It blows my mind that someone would say, you can't do that as an all-female team. Because I get that in past decades or generations that might have come out just because of antiquated social societal norms where we raise girls to stay at home and clean and cook and care for the children. And the male goes out and works and brings home the money. And we've gotten so far past that, which is great. And so we're getting much more, every decade, we're getting more normalized that women are out in the working place, especially out in the construction field. And so as we see more and more women, I think we're going to see less and less of that pushback of saying, oh, an all-female team can't build a house. 
the way I like to think of it is make it normal. And you do have to start with future generations. There's actually a book called The House That She Built. And I bought probably a dozen copies. I gave them away to six families, but I bought a dozen copies because I gave one to the family and one for them to give to another family that would appreciate it. That's awesome. Trying to spread the word and make it normal so that children can grow up thinking that this is all possible, this is normal. Yeah, and that anyone can do anything that they want, regardless of gender or how they identify. I think that's so important. That book is on my list to buy, and I love that you bought it, gave it, and gave them two copies. Because again, spreading that and this idea of less antiquated gender roles. A friend was telling me about, she saw a family at Target and there was a little boy and he wanted to buy some sort of toy that was in the girls department. And his parents said, no, 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 no. Come over here, get something from the boys section. And she just was going, why? Why do boys get to play with the toy bulldozers and girls have to play with dolls. And again, I think we're seeing less and less of that as parents realize that it's more person, child-specific, and not so much gender. Right. I see people I interact with, some people fall back into that, I'll just call it an ugly comfort zone, and leave it at that. It disappoints me a lot. I think differently that person when they fall back into that kind of space. Let's move on to a little different topic I'll ask Beth this question. How has your role as a HERS Raider or QAD impacted your career? How do you think things are going in the spectrum of life where you'd like to be? I guess because I've been doing, this is the only career I've ever known. I came straight out of school and got my HERS Raider certification and I've been doing this ever since. So I've obviously started out as a HERS Raider and did that for a while. And then I moved up into a QADD position as a delegate. And then did that a couple of years. And then I've been in the QAD role for the last few years. So this is the only career I've ever known. And I knew from my time in college that I wanted to be in the energy efficiency business. And I can't see myself in any other career. I've been devoted to it and I'm passionate about it. And I love my job and I can't imagine doing anything else. Is there anything about growing up Maybe it's that self-sufficiency you talked about earlier and the DIY attitude. Do you think that lends towards the fact that you really enjoy what you're doing? Oh, for sure. I always tell my friends I'm like that are building houses and things like that, I'm like, if you need any help, let me know. I can make your house very efficient. Or I try to apply these things into my own house or my boyfriend's house. Anything that we can do to make it more efficient, I'm always game for. So, Excellent. Biz, how about yourself? Anything about your role and the impact on your career? I think it's definitely helped because I was so focused on, well, Eco3 did mostly retrofits, but I helped develop the side of the business that was more new construction, code compliance. So it was blower door testing and duct leakage testing. And I think the HERS certification and education in an ongoing way has helped keep my knowledge broad and not as focused on just those aspects and inspecting insulation. So it's more holistic. Anything in your upbringing that you can look back upon and say, this triggered 
the path. I'm where I, I need to be. Oh, Bill, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I am where I am. And you're happy. Sounds like it. Yeah. And the HERS certification definitely got me to the position where I am with brain consulting doing the 45L energy efficient tax credit. And so when people ask about my background and then what I do, when I say tax consulting, yeah, they get a little, wait, how do those two connect? They what? <laughs> yeah. And so it's, I guess my upbringing and being interested in a lot of different things, it all comes together in whatever place I'm in at that moment. And I definitely had, my mother is, I don't know how to say it. She's very determined and I'd say a strong woman and has definitely been a a role model for me in terms of my dad too. Just, you can do anything that you want to do and study hard, play hard, be a good person, do the right thing, and you'll fall where you're supposed to be. Very nice. Very sweet sentiments. Any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners, the podcast listeners today? Beth, you want to take a minute and think about that? I just think, like Biz was saying, anything is possible. And the company that I work for, we have about 33% females. And of that, a fair portion of them are in leadership roles and higher positions. We have a multifamily sector and single family. And then we have a QI business as well. So we have a lot of females in the field doing QI inspections. And then we have probably seven or eight RFIs, HERS raters, verifiers, a master verifier. So the sky's the limit. And Biz, closing thoughts? Yeah, I'd say, again, in these discussions with some colleagues, we were talking about how a lot of times there's competition between people and It can breed jealousy or issues where if we could just realize you are you, you have your set of skills and knowledge and I have mine. And wouldn't it be so much more productive if we combine those instead of competing? So I really love the idea of supporting others, trying to mentor where I can and encourage other people, especially women, because there are less of us in this field, there's a little bit smaller pool for us to pull from. So for everyone to keep an open mind, be open to learning, and keep self-awareness in mind. We can all collaborate to make the world a better place, whether it's building better, more efficient homes or just getting along in our day-to-day lives. I look at like the whole energy industry. It's really still fairly small and there's no room for infighting. We all have the same end goal, you know? If people are interested in contacting you, would you be interested in sharing your email address just for the show notes? Of course. Good. So I will put that in the show note listeners. So the emails will be there in case you want to follow up anything you heard here. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and speaking about women in the hers industry. It was really a pleasure speaking with you. You both seem very relaxed, very chill. (laughs) I'm glad I give off that impression because I'm sweating over here. (laughs) Maybe you're both like in the South or, you know, North Carolina and Louisiana, am I correct? Alabama. Alabama, sorry. So maybe that's part of it, just more of a laid back feeling. Thank you again for coming on the podcast and listeners. 
If you want to reach out, there'll be some details in the show notes for you to reach out to Biz and Beth. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast, where we spoke with Elizabeth Sanfilippo and Beth Ainsworth about women and hers. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet on what you heard or would like to hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. Elizabeth and Beth both share their email addresses in the show notes if you wish to get in touch with them. The quote for today is from Ellen Ochoa, who was the first female Hispanic woman into space. I hope to continue to inspire our nation's youth to pursue careers in science, technology, engineering, and math so they too may reach for the stars. If you've not subscribed, please do so. And as always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. <laughs>